Last week we heard the story of Herman Cohen, the Jewish musical prodigy, who uh, by his teen years had risen to great fame and fortune, and in the process uh, became a slave of sin, blowing his money and gambling and high living. We saw how he was completely converted at a Sunday Mass during the elevation of the Blessed Sacrament, and that after overcoming all kinds of difficulties, he was admitted into Carmel on the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, July 16, 1849. We saw that at that point, his father cursed him and disinherited him. His mother came to the monastery, asked to see her son, and when he arrived in the company of a novice master, she went into histrionic fits, swooning, falling into his arms, refusing to be consoled, weeping, crying, and carrying on, begging him to leave with her, but that he held firm that finally, after a week of this short behavior, she left, cursing all those who had taken her son away from her. We also saw that, incredibly enough, less than four years after his baptism and less than two years after entering Carmel, he was ordained to the priesthood, and his name and religion was changed from Herman Cohen to Father Augustine Marie of the Most Blessed Sacrament. He's now venerable. We saw that Father Augustine Marie prayed fervently for the conversion of his family and he's granted the grace to see ten members of his family enter the church, but his mother remained Jewish to the end. and She died on December 13, 1855, without converting, without being baptized. So we'll pick up the story there. Shortly after his mother died, Father Augustine went to visit a friend of his, a parish priest in a small town, a small town named Ars. Father Augustine Marie told his friend, the curie of Ars, the story of his mother's death. St. John Vianney, that's the parish priest there, told Father Augustine Marie, quote, Hope, hope, you will one day on the feast of the Immaculate Conception receive a letter which will be very consoling to you. Close quote. Now, this prophecy was fulfilled six years later, on December 8, 1861, which is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, when a Jesuit priest handed Father Augustine Marie a letter. Now, this letter was written to Father Augustine Marie by a woman who had died a very holy death. Here's the letter. I will read it to you, the translation. Quote, On the 18th of October, after Holy Communion, I found myself in one of those moments of intimate union with our Lord, wherein he so sweetly makes me feel his presence in the sacrament of his love, that it seems to me as if faith were no longer necessary in order to believe in it. After some moments, he made his voice audible to me and was pleased to give me some explanations relative to a conversation that I had had the previous evening. I remembered then that in this conversation, One of my friends had expressed to me her astonishment that our Lord, who promised everything to prayer, had nevertheless remained deaf to those prayers of Father Herman, so often offered up for the conversion of his mother. Her surprise amounted almost to discontent, and I had found some difficulty in making her understand that we must adore the justice of God and not seek to penetrate his secrets." I have the boldness to ask our Lord how it was that he, whose goodness itself, could have resisted the prayers of Father Herman and not grant the conversion of his mother. This was his answer, our Lord. Why will your friend always seek to sound the secrets of my justice and try to penetrate into mysteries that she cannot understand? 
Tell her that I owe my grace to no one, that I give to whomsoever I please, and in acting thus, I do not cease to be just and justice itself. But let her know also that sooner than fail in the promises that I have made to prayer, I would overthrow the heavens and the earth, and that every prayer that has my glory and the salvation of souls for its object is always heard when it has the necessary qualities. He also said, and to prove this truth to you, I will let you know what took place at the moment of the death of Father Augustine's mother. I was made to understand the moment that the mother of Father Herman was on the point of breathing her last, when she seemed deprived of consciousness and life was almost gone. Mary, our good mother, presented herself before her divine son, and prostrating herself at his feet, said to him, Grace, mercy, O my son, for this soul that is about to perish. Another moment, and it will be lost, lost for all eternity. The soul of his mother is what is dearest to him. A thousand times he has consecrated it to me. He has confided it to the tenderness, to the solicitude of my heart. Can I allow it to perish? This soul is mine. I want it. I claim it as a heritage, as the price of thy blood, and of my sorrows at the foot of thy cross. Hardly had the the most holy virgin ceased to speak, when a grace, strong, mighty, escaped from the source of all graces, the adorable heart of Jesus, and fell upon the soul of that poor dying Jewess, and triumphed instantly over its obstinacy. The soul immediately turned with loving confidence toward him whose mercy pursued her, even in the arms of death. And she said, O Jesus, God of the Christians, God whom my son adores, I believe, I hope in thee, have mercy on me. In this cry, which was heard by God alone, and which came from the lowest depths of the heart of the dying woman, there included sincere regrets for her obstinacy and her sins, the desire of baptism, the explicit wish to receive it, and to live according to the rules and precepts of our holy religion if she could return to life. This outburst of faith and hope in Jesus was the last sentiment of this soul. As she was uttering it before the throne of divine mercy, the feeble threads that still held her in her earthly tenement were broken, and she threw herself at the feet of him who had been her savior before being her judge. After having shown me all these things, our Lord added, Make this known to Father Augustine. It is a consolation that I wish to grant to his long sufferings, in order they may everywhere bless and cause to be blessed the goodness of my mother's heart and her power over mine. An entire stranger to the Reverend Father Herman, the poor sick woman that has just penned these lines, is happy to think that they will bring consolation and balm to the ever-bleeding wound of his heart, the heart of a son and a priest. She presumes to ask of him the alms of his fervent prayers, and she hopes that he will not refuse them to one, who, although unknown to him, is united to him by the sacred bonds of the same faith and the same hopes. Close quote. We have a dying anti-Catholic Jewess on the verge of hurtling into hell, saved literally at the last moment by the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. There's a lot to ponder there. Let's just briefly consider three points. The importance of hope, 
the awesome responsibility each one of us has as a Catholic and absolute importance of each one of us to have a true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. First, hope. We all know hopeless cases. Every one of us has friends, relatives, even enemies who either aren't Catholic at all or else they are, but they're going to land smack dab in hell unless something miraculous happens. We all know helpless cases. The salvation of Rosalie Cohen, Father Augustine Marie's mother, and she'd be a hopeless case if ever there were one. Her salvation ought to fill us with hope for the salvation of our so-called hopeless cases. Second point, the awesome responsibility that we each have as Catholics. Anytime God gives us a right, he also gives us a duty. The fact that we have the right to turn to the Blessed Virgin Mary and beg her for the salvation of those whom we love and hold dear means that we have the duty to do just that for those for whom we are most responsible to pray for, our immediate family and our godchildren. That's at the least we have that duty. But we shouldn't stop there. There are people that literally won't be saved unless we pray for them. That's not an exaggeration. That's the fabric of reality. God has poured out his mercy on us by giving us the true faith. And he expects us to beg for his mercy to be poured out on others less fortunate. And when we consider the infinite value of even one soul a soul so priceless that he would have gone through everything he went through in his incarnation, passion, and death on the cross for even one soul. We consider the infinite value of one soul and that God expects us to pray for the salvation of those who most need his mercy and that there are people that won't be and can't be saved unless we pray for them. Then we get, begin to get a glimmer of the awesome responsibility we have as Catholics, the responsibility we have to pray for those that haven't been given what we've been given. Third, the absolute importance of each one of us to have a true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the story of Rosalie Cohen, we get a glimpse of the incredible power Our Lady's prayers have before the throne of justice. When she asks her son to spare a soul, it just plain, flat happens. That's how it works. We need to be devoted to Our Lady. We need to be faithful in laying our prayers at, for the salvation of our hopeless cases at her feet every day, begging her to take them under her mantle. We could place a list of those we pray for under a statue on our altar at home, say a memorari for them every day, remember them in our rosary every day. Light a candle before her altar for them. If we're faithful and we're fervent in our prayers, we have every reason for hope. As St. Alphonsus says, there is no one, however wicked, whom Mary does not save by her intercession when she wishes. She interceded for Rosalie Cohen because her son asked her. Does anyone think our prayers can obtain the same graces for the people we pray for? If you think that, think again. She's our mother. 
we have the right to turn to the Blessed Mother and beg her for the salvation of those we love and hold dear. And if we're faithful and fervent about these prayers, we have every reason and every hope that she'll intercede for our hopeless cases. What loving mother is not ignore prayers like that? We ought to be filled with hope. After all, in the Hail Holy Queen, what do we call her? We call her our hope because she is our hope.